I hope you'll take a Bible and uh, turn to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus is the second book of the Bible, if you're not that familiar with it. And in Exodus chapter 20, we have the uh, Ten Commandments. And while you're uh, turning there, I'm going to read from the New Testament an application of, of Exodus 20 from Ephesians 6. Hear God's word. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Now, that is a New Testament application of Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, the fifth commandment, which says, Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. So ends the reading of God's Word. I was reading a blog this past week, and there was an essay called The Power of a Praying Mother. Here's what it said. It's rather short. It says, The world will never fully know what could have been and what has been the result of a praying mother. Soldiers have been protected and brought home safely to a loving wife and precious baby as a result of a praying mother. Daughters have been gifted with wisdom at the right moment because of a praying mother. A grandchild has been protected from a serious injury because of a praying mother. More than once, the simple cry from a praying mother's lips have pierced through the evil chambers of hell and have rescued a drifting child. More than once, a desperate child heeded the invitation to respond to a relationship with Jesus Christ. More than once a marriage has been saved, more than once a child has been healed, more than once a life has been changed because of a mother's prayer. Mothers know how to hold on, mothers know how to plead, mothers know how to pray. Now, not all of us came from families where there were praying mothers. I did. I came from one where uh, my mother was a believer, and she prayed, and she uh, let me know she was praying for me on many, many occasions. I thought it might be applicable today to look at the fifth commandment, honor your father and mother. The fifth commandment tells us the bond between mother and father and child is very, very important to God. If you know the Ten Commandments, there are two tables. There's the first table of the law, that's commandments one through four, and the second table is commandments five to six. The first four deal with our relationship with God. The last six flow out of those, and they deal with our relationships with one another. First things first, the priority is relationship with God, then to relate with one another. If we don't care anything about these, we probably won't care much at all about the last six. So they follow those priorities. I read the story of a young man in Chicago. He was from a family that moved every year. Every year, his job, his dad's job forced him to move. He had to change schools. He had to make new friends. And he was of such an age... After doing this for so many years, he just said, I'm not even going to try to make friends since he knew they'd be moving at the end of the year. But as he got older, he described the day that he decided to stay in Chicago as his parents moved away. He was old enough now to have a job. He had a house where he could stay in with friends. He owned an automobile. And he waved goodbye to his parents, and he said he began to feel this wave of loneliness He realized there was an emptiness in his heart, and he said, I yearned to have a relationship with someone who I would never have to say goodbye to. Wanted a relationship with someone with whom he would never have to say goodbye. He longed for that. Parents, you can have the tightest bond with your children 
They can have the tightest bond with you, but it will not fill the void in your heart that can only be filled with a relationship with Christ. There's that relationship with Christ that begins when you and I recognize that we have a problem with God called sin, that God must punish that, and the punishment is death, and that Jesus was someone who came and lived a perfect life. He was God's son, and he died as a substitute for others. And so now he took my place with the punishment that I deserve. Through faith in that, I have forgiveness of sins. I have a relationship with God. So for the next few minutes, let me just make some general applications from this passage about parents and children. First observation is there are no perfect parents, just as there are no perfect children. If there were, we would not need this commandment. Uh, So a word to children. All parents have their weaknesses and faults and inconsistencies. Only God is the perfect parent. Even the best parents make mistakes and sins. And there are some parents who are not worthy of honor. They may have been abusive, manipulative, neglectful. And you may ask, what is God telling me to do? I read this or I hear this read. Am I supposed to ignore the pain, put on a happy face, pretend that everything's all right? No. God is saying, I want you to honor that position of parenthood. There's words to parents. There's never been a perfect parent, so you cannot guarantee how your children will turn out. God gives children wills of their own, and you cannot change another person's heart, including that of your own children. We're to raise them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, as I read that passage from Ephesians, but we cannot ultimately determine whether they will have faith in Christ or not. You can have desires for them, but uh, you can't make that ultimate determination. Observation number two, respect for all authority begins at home. God never intended the home to be the end of that authority, but it's the starting place. There are other legitimate arenas of authority that flow out of this commandment. Often, even the passage I read from Ephesians. uh, There are other applications of this to the arenas, like of employers, students, wives, government. You respect the law. The police, sports umpires. (laughs) Parents, what are you teaching your children in that arena? Want to be salt and light? Then don't be so insulting when people make mistakes, even that are refereeing games. Mike Krzyzewski has been the the basketball coach for the Blue Blue Devils for over 30 years, a Hall of Fame coach, 12-time National Coach of the Year. He built a dynasty like few college basketball programs in history. And like all successful college programs, he says the key has been recruiting players out of high school. And Coach K says when they send out recruiters to visit a prospective player, they intentionally visit the player in his home because they want to see how he relates to his family and to his parents And Coach K says, because they know that how he relates to the authority at home is how he's going to relate to the authority at the college. And they want to see it. So authority begins there, but it doesn't end there. Uh, Observation number three, how I relate to my parents will affect every other relationship. You may not think it's true, but I think it is that your style of relating is set at home. Even today, those of you that are in your 40s, 50s, 60s, 
In some ways, you are acting out ways you don't understand and can figure out, but often they go back to how you reacted to your parents. And I'm not trying to put a bunch of cycle babble on you, but there's truth there that many marriages today are being affected greatly by a spouse who's never resolved a relationship with a parent. And they're taking out on their husband or their wife or their kids. And they'll still, even decades later, say, you sound just like my mother or my father. Like, where did that come from? Long ago. What's the role of parents? Parents, do you wonder what you're supposed to do? Our culture today says we're to be our child's best friend. Our culture says our children are supposed to add meaning to our lives. What is your role? What is involved in being a parent worthy of honor? Don't you want to be worthy of honor, not just the position, but a person worthy of honor because of who you are? Now, there is no lack of resources, Christian books, written on the Ten Commandments and and especially on this commandment. So I I have about that many books on my shelf just on the Ten Commandments and not even counting other commentaries. And so, though I've taught on this commandment a number of times, and if some of you are saying, this sounds familiar, it is. (laughs) Um, But this time I went back to Thomas Watson's book, The Puritan Writer, called The Ten Commandments, that was written in the 1600s, and I... uh, the Puritans, the way they would, they would take a commandment like this and then they would say, here are the 12 applications of what it means to be a parent worthy of honor. And here are 20 more applications on how children are to obey. They were very practical. So I took Thomas Watson's book and he's got a section there on how to be a parent worthy of honor. And I paraphrased it a little bit to try to bring it into English that 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 we speak today. Here's some of those. What is involved in being parents worthy of honor? These are from Thomas Watson through Chip Miller. One, be careful to bring them up in the fear and nurture of the Lord. Augustine said of his mother, Monica, that she travailed more for his spiritual birth than for his natural birth. Instruct them with the scriptures and teach them about God. That's number one in being a parent worthy of honor. Two, if you would have your children honor you, keep up parental authority. Be kind, but do not spoil them. The rod of discipline must not be withheld. Somebody's got to be in charge. Somebody will be in charge. Third, provide for them what is fitting, both when they are young and as they get older. You know, sometimes the misrepresentations of the, of the Puritans that it was so uh, stoic or uh, uh, harsh discipline that you would think children were treated like servants of some way. Not at all. And they said it's to be a parent worthy of honor is that you, is that you provide for them, provide for their needs. Fourth, as they grow, help them to know their calling in life so that they may serve their generation. I like that. I, that. I didn't paraphrase that. Those were his words. That's the way we talk today. He was saying that in the 1600s. Help them know their calling in life so that they may serve their generations. 
He said, it is good to consult the natural genius and inclination of a child. You ought to know how's your child wired. What, what are they good at? What, where do they, are they technical? Are they literary? Are they verbal? Are they, you know, and where do they lean? Is it toward mechanical type things? Is it toward theoretical things? Is it toward people? And he said, you, you need to recognize that. And here's what he said. Forced callings do as much harm as forced marriages. <laughs> That's Let a child, he said, then the let a child out of a calling is to expose that child to temptation. If you got a dream that your child be a, a doctor and that boy or girl is not wired that way, do them and yourself a favor and don't push them in that direction. Know where your child is and, and, okay, that's another sermon. Fifth, how also to be, Thomas Watson, to be a, a parent worthy of honor, act lovingly toward your children. In all your counsels and in all your commands, let them see love. Love will command honor. Six, act prudently toward your children. Do not provoke them to wrath, lest they be discouraged. Pray much for them. Encourage that which you see is commendable in your children. That which you see is good and commendable. Commending that which is good in your children makes them more in, in line with virtuous actions and is like the watering of plants which makes them grow. Some parents discourage the good they see in their children and therefore nip virtue in the bud and they help to damn their children's souls. So, in other words, catch them doing something right and tell them that. If you would have, he goes on, this is number nine, if you would have honor from your children, set a good example. It makes children despise their parents when the parents live in contradiction to their own precepts. When they tell their children to be sober and yet they themselves get drunk. Or they bid their children to fear God and are themselves loose in their lives. If you would have your children honor you, teach them by a holy example. So we are to teach them. That was the primary role of parents in the past. It's our calling today. The emphasis today pretty much is totally on appearance, on uh, achievement, either academic or athletic or popularity, and rarely is the attention and focus today on character. How about teaching words like contentment and courage and gentleness and discernment and friendliness and honesty and humility and kindness and obedience and patience and persistence and self-control and thankfulness and wisdom? Who is teaching these things? MTV? You can't look to the schools to do that. Even those of us that hold to the principles of Christian education. Surely we don't think that even a Christian school, even the best Christian school, can take the place of parents. Of course not. It's to be an extension of what's being taught in the home. So it needs to be us. And we need to learn to complement character more than talent and laugh with them. Humans are the only part of God's creation which can do three things. Weep and blush and laugh. How may a parent provoke his children to wrath? You know, in Ephesians it says, 
Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Do not provoke them to wrath, lest they be discouraged. Back again to Thomas Watson. This time I'm only going to give you six. How we may provoke a child to wrath. By cursing them rather than blessing them. Two, when parents strike a child without a cause or when the correction exceeds the fault. When your correction exceeds the fault. And he said, this is to be a tyrant rather than a father. Third, you may provoke your children to wrath by denying them what is needful. If there are things that they need and you deny them. Fourth, when a parent acts partially toward their children, showing more kindness to one than to another. Now, through the years I've read, uh, like you, I hope, many, many books on parenting and heard James Dobson say more than I can ever you know, imagine on the subject as long as others. And every one of them will say this about favoritism. It is death to the soul. That you, can, you cannot do anything to demoralize a child more than show favoritism toward one of, the, one of the brothers or sisters if there's more than one child. You see that in the scriptures over and over. Why was it that Joseph's brothers hated him so much to sell him into slavery, to be taken down to Egypt because their father showed favoritism? It doesn't excuse their sin, but it certainly provoked them to wrath. Fifth, a parent provokes his child to wrath when he does anything, he or she does anything which is sordid or unworthy and therefore brings disgrace upon him or herself and his or her family. That will provoke a child to wrath. Six, when parents lay commands upon their children which they cannot perform without wronging their consciences. That provokes a child to wrath. Well, the command, you say, Chip, you're talking about parents, but the command was to children. Okay. What does it mean to honor parents? And I think there's application here, whether, like in my case, both my parents are now deceased, um, but there's still application. How I talk about them, even in reference to them in the past, how I think about them. So there's application here for all of us, regardless of your situation. The word honor means to give weight to a person, to give substance to a person, to, to attribute that weight to them, and to treat them with honor and obedience and gratefulness. That's what it means to give honor, to regard highly another person, to show them respect and consideration. And it's a command with a promise. The promise is, if you do this, that you will live long in the land the Lord your God gives to you. Now, that was not a promise that if you do this, every individual who obeys this will definitely live a long life. No, it's a pattern. It's just a pattern throughout life. God is saying, I want you to give weight. I want you to give authority and influence to those parents. And maybe you grew up or live now in a home with a single mom or a single dad. I want you to give honor I want you to allow that parent to have influence over, over your life, even if they are not perfect. So honor them with obedience. The first thing to honor another person, honoring a mother or father, is obedience. Now, that's, that's to children. Later, we find commands, even though there's not a chain of obedience, once we're of a certain age and stage of life, hopefully, then it moves to, I'm still to honor that, that parent. Hopefully there comes a time where the transfer of authority, where children are taught more and more to make their own decisions and they imply wisdom to life, 
And the parent lets them go and they don't try to reel them in back in some way so that they're always looking to them to make decisions for them. Honor them with gratitude. There was a poll taken among parents in America and they were asked what they would like most from their children. The number one answer, at least when this was taken across America, was respect. The respect of their children. Jesus rebuked the Pharisees because they used the law of God to avoid taking care of their elderly parents. Take care of your parents when they are elderly. You say, well, it will be a burden. It can be a tremendous drain. Listen, a number of years ago, society told them it was going to be a tremendous drain to have you, and they went ahead and did it anyway. So taking care of an elderly parent is not sweet. It can be frustrating. There's nothing glamorous about it. And I'm not trying to lay guilt on anybody. If your parents are in a nursing home or some kind of full-time care facility, uh, that may be the very best place. Every family has to make decisions the best they can. All I think I'm saying, do the best you can. Love them until God takes them home. For adults that are here, perhaps with a broken relationship with a parent, it's not too late to bridge that gap and show honor to them. Children, honor them not only with gratitude and obedience, but honor them with what you are, with your character. Hey, do you think uh, the Oklahoma City bomber Timothy McVeigh's mom was happy to get a Mother's Day card? Do you think uh, Charles Manson's dad had a big smile when he'd get a Father's Day card from prison? Look, you honor your parents when you, when you love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Uh, my mother, let me tell you something. Last Sunday, John Kinzer made an announcement here to the congregation that we were being asked by the Presbyterian Church in America to do help, mercy help, over in Alabama after the tornadoes in a small town called Jacksonville. Probably half of you know where Jacksonville is. It's, it's to help you out. It's northwest of Aniston. Now you know exactly where it is, right? Well, it's only 30 minutes from my hometown. And I didn't know that's where we were going to be asked to help. This past Thursday, a number of you went over and did a lot of good work. I was told cleaning up uh, where a couple of houses were hard hit with the yards with the trees and so forth being down. So we, over the next several weeks, are going to, they ask us to focus on Jacksonville because it's a small town that's being bypassed. You know, Tuscaloosa and Birmingham and others get more attention. Well, my mind reeled when John said that because when I was in the seventh grade, my mother went back to college. I had an older sister, and once I was, she thought she'd spent enough time trying with me, she'd go back to school. So she went to Jacksonville State University, which was, like I said, about a half hour from our house. And as a high school junior, my dad took me, as a high school junior, over to the football stadium on a Friday night at Jacksonville State University, and I saw my mother graduate from college. And my dad, I couldn't appreciate this at the time, my father wept. He was sitting next to me. And he wept because he had known since she was very bright, uh, my mom, even to the end, her, her mind was razor sharp. And she had never been able to 
to go any further than high school because she grew up in a very impoverished home with numerous siblings, and she had never had the opportunity to go to college. And so she always wanted to go to college. She wanted to get a college degree. And so then she did it. It took her uh, almost six years part-time to do so. And then she started teaching school once she got her degree, made all A's from what I remember in college, and uh, taught, started teaching in her 50s and, and taught for 15 or 20 years, I guess, taught school. And so she was a high achiever. I have no doubts if she had had the means to do so, she easily could have done a Ph.D. and, and, and taught at any level, I think. Uh, but her goal for me was to love Christ. And she was an in-your-face type mother. <laughs> Whatever the school of thought is, let your children go their own way and see. She never heard that school. I mean, I was met at the door, coming in, everything was checked, my breath, uh, you know, who I had been with, where I was going, what time it was, whether I was going to youth group, why wasn't I going to youth group. Now, my mom being a high, high achiever, and my dad wasn't a Christian until, until much, much later, so he wasn't an issue at that time. He, uh, my mother, all she wanted me to do is, is love Christ. She wouldn't have cared if I had dug ditches, if I, whatever. I don't mean to offend the ditch diggers that are here this morning. Uh, but she, that wasn't it. It was, where are you with Christ? And that's what, that's what kids, that's what, if your parent loves Christ, that's what they want for you. And, and if sometimes it may come across that, well, they just want me to make good grades or they just want me to make a lot of money. If they love Christ, they want you to love Christ. And the world beats us down as far as being parents. Um, <clears throat> Doug Kelly is a professor with Reform Seminary. He's preached here a number of times, so it's been several years since he was last here. And one of the last times he was here, he's a, he's a genius and he's a very wise man, but he's very down to earth. And I heard him say, somebody, I think, asked him to preach on the family or on raising children. He said, you know, before I had any kids, I had five sermons on child raising. Now I have five kids and no sermons. (laughs) So we get beat down as to our failings. And um, But I want to tell you something. I was thinking about this yesterday. And I know I speak on behalf of my wife, too. I am grateful to you for the 20-plus years we've been here to see so many of you trying to apply this in your lives. And we all may go through a lot of different emotions, but I've never felt isolated. Like, we're the only parents trying to raise our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Now, I don't know everybody's hearts, and you don't know my heart, but I am grateful to be part of a local congregation where many of you take that very seriously. Many took it seriously before us. They've gone to be with the Lord now. And uh, the sad thing is a lot of those parents did not see the fruit in our lives until much later. And now they're gone. And now those seeds that were planted and prayed for and watered and so forth, now they've borne fruit. And uh, we trust they'll know one day. James Dobson, in one of his books, wrote this paragraph. My one purpose in life is to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And I am to serve him to the best of my ability, and I am to take as many people to heaven as I possibly can. But my first responsibility is to do everything in my power to include my own kids in that number. Well, I agree with James Dobson, but I would add, no parent can ensure that. No parent can guarantee that. So I want to speak to you that are children. You owe it to yourself to trust Christ as your Savior. When you stand before God, it will not be under the shadow of your mother or father. You must decide whether to receive Christ or not. You must decide whether to break the covenant or not if you're raised in a Christian home. And you may reject Christ, and I think this is very real today, you may reject Christ as an act of rebellion against your parents. And that is a foolish decision because we will each answer to God on our own. So child, teenager, adult, are you honoring your mother and your father? You know what this command shows us? Everybody feel better now that we've looked at this commandment? <laughs> we shouldn't. That's the purpose of the law. Eric stated it well when he, before the baptisms and before, I mean, before we read the uh, affirmed our faith with the Ten Commandments. The Bible says the law is a mirror. It's a school teacher. It shows us where we're wrong, and it points us to Christ. Yes, it's a guide for living, but at the same time, it knocks us down because it shows us where we've not honored our father or our mother. And so we need a Savior. So that's where it's the teacher. It points us to Jesus. And so hopefully you know him today, that you've received him, that you've asked God to give you the forgiveness which Christ bought when he died on the cross. John 1.12 Probably the first verse in the Bible I ever learned said, As many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. God is the perfect Father. Well, let's pray together. Father, thank you for the law that you reveal. It reveals our condition, and our condition is we've, we've broken it, and, and we're all sinners to one degree or another, and we need a Savior. So we thank you that it points us to the good news of Christ and and to have trust in him. At the same time, Father, we thank you that the law is a guide and that it gives order and it gives a structure and not only our own families, but uh, our culture and our society and the world. So we pray you'd, you'd help us at whatever stage we are in, whether young children here on up to uh, more mature adults, uh, those that have parents living, those who are have, have parents still in the home with them, that they're smaller children or uh, help us to, to follow this uh, in strengthened by your grace. And we pray in Christ's name. Amen.